Hey, you're a middle-aged man. Uh, um, am I? I? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> if I die tomorrow, probably not. <laughs> it's more like the twilight of my years. <laughs> well, have you ever thought about running an Ironman triathlon? The only thing I'm running to is my couch to open up the Tubi app and watch more old TV movies. Ooh, way to hit a home run with that transition. You like that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, grab your peanuts and Cracker Jacks. In fact, yes. I'm grabbing my peanuts right now. <laughs> I'll find the prize. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this season we are talking TV movies and today we have some sports ball movies that feature domestic terrorists, smokers who want to be triathletes, and Burt Reynolds and Reba McIntyre going all the way to second base. Oh, sounds spicy. Let's begin. Welcome to the Pop Trash Podcast. I'm Eric Griggs. And I'm Mike Jones. Each episode, we take a pop topic and trash talk it. But with love, of course. Ooh, and love? Well, love is a battlefield or a baseball field or a field hockey field, a lacrosse field. Mm. I don't know any other sports to take place on a field. (laughs) Football field. (laughs) Or a Mrs. Fields cookie. Mrs. Field. (laughs) It's a polite pickleball match of TV movies. (laughs) I like that. The first sports-related movie that we're going to talk about is The Man from Left Field, starring Burt Reynolds and Reba McIntyre. A 1993 made-for-TV movie. Let me give you the plot. We greet Bert, kind of passed out. He's a homeless drunk, and he meets up with this Little League baseball team, a group of kids from the wrong side of the tracks who are in search of a coach. Little do they know he's a famous baseball player from years ago, and the kids inspire him, clean him up, get him to be their coach. He warms their hearts as... They do his. I don't know. Did I, did, I, did I capture it correctly? The gist here is that Burt Reynolds is like a catatonic man who doesn't know his past. You can tell this movie was made in the late 80s, early 90s. This one's early 90s. But um, because if a bunch of kids found a homeless bum in their baseball field today, yeah. oh. <laughs> you would have Karens coming out of the woodwork. Yes. Why this... does this baseball field smell like urine? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> How Reba McIntyre fits into this. She's the mom of one of the kids on the Little League team. Bert and she kind of strike up a, a little romance. So Reba had done some acting leading up to this. She was in Tremors, and I think she's incredible. Oh, in she's great in Tremors, yes. And that was her debut. She also did uh, a, a, what had been uh, several installments later of The Gambler, uh, a TV movie <laughs> yeah. So with Kenny Rogers. But that's mm-hmm. more kind of like, that's kind of the world of country. Mm-hmm. And so isn't too much of a stretch. And this actually is the first, I think, real movie where they like pushed her to be like tender and caring. Reba McIntyre also said something else that was super interesting about this. It was an acting trick that she learned. And when Burt Reynolds passed away a few years ago, she put, you know, put out a very touching memorial and also said that Burt Reynolds taught her sometimes when you're filming movies, especially if it's not particularly like, you know, Oscar caliber, (laughs) it is okay to have your lines fed to you. 
Interesting. And well, she said that in this movie and when they filmed this movie, some of his lines were fed to him. For sure. I mean, why not? It probably speeds up the production because you're not, <laughs> not having We should to... have our lines fed to us. On oh this my podcast. God, could we? That would be a dream. <laughs> You have two of the biggest stars of the 20th century, right? Burt Reynolds was box office gold for a bit and such a household name. Reba McIntyre was probably the most important woman in country music for several yeah. years in the 80s mm -hmm. and 90s, if not the most important person in country music. And so it's like just wild to think you have these two powerhouse celebrities coming through for an adequate TV movie. <laughs> but that's the joy of this like uh -huh. whole entire enterprise is TV movies were this weird thing where you would have that as people just kind of either were coming up in their career, coming down in their career, looking for side projects or yeah. whatever. But I was going to ask you, because I feel like you are by, at least in my life, the person who probably knows the most about Burt Reynolds. Oh, I love me some Burt Reynolds. Why do you love yourself some Burt Reynolds? The charisma. He has that it factor, the stuff that you can't describe. I think every dad wanted to be him and every mom wanted to be with him, right? It was like <laughs> he had that magnetism. Part of that charm is he was so self-deprecating. He made fun of himself a lot. He was in on the joke. He didn't consider himself a sex symbol, but he was. And I agree. He, he was really self-deprecating. And I think he always saved his best insults for the nighttime did you know that no why he was just very good at evening shade <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> well this was directed by burt reynolds yes correct? i'm glad yeah. you mentioned that i believe it was um his first the first tv movie he ever directed he actually mm -hmm. directed two of them do you know what actual like film films mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he directed oh god um uh, no stop challenging me now it's gonna i'm gonna look like the worst burt reynolds fan <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say um was malone one of them it was not uh like uh gator gator was the first movie he ever directed oh okay then um hooper no. no, no, no. Are these like the blockbusters? They're not the blockbusters. They're, uh, I wouldn't say that they're blockbusters, um, but they're, yeah. some of them are well-known or no-niche, especially if you're a Burt Reynolds fan. <laughs> well, apparently I'm not. <laughs> We're finding out. <laughs> um, it's not like Deliverance or yeah. Smokey and the Bandit or anything like that. Uh, how about uh, Stick with Candace Bergen? Stick Bergen. with Candace Bergen. He did direct. That's one of the ones that, what, 1985? Yeah. Somewhere around there. Okay, yes. so I got Stick. I got Gator. Let me let me throw out one more guess. Okay. I bet he directed um, The End with Dom DeLuise. He did direct The End. Those that are the three that movie. I could guess, but the other ones I probably will not guess. All right. So there are five that he directed. So Gator, 1976. Uh -huh. The End, 1978. Uh -huh. Sharky's Machine. Oh, how did I not get Sharky's Machine? In 1981, I have never heard of this movie. Oh, it's whatsoever. a great movie. Well, so you guessed Stick, which is the Candace Bergen, mm -hmm. uh, 1985. And then the very last movie he directed was many, many, many years later, 2000, The Last Producer. Huh. Oh, really? Oh, he directed yep. that? He did. That's a fantastic movie. Wait, no, that's not what I'm thinking of. No, I'm th uh, <laughs> sorry. Never mind. No. <laughs> there you have it. Burt Reynolds is number one fan. <laughs> God damn it. I'm one of the most beloved grassroots folk heroes of America. 
I mean, you should ask some of my fans. To know me is to love me. Little kids love me, parents love me, everybody loves me. Now you come on out here and love me or I'm going to kick your little skinny ass. <laughs> I think why this film isn't as great as it could have been, I have a theory. Would you like to hear my theory? Uh, why not? I'm all for theories. I think it's because his mustache was not at full strength. They clean him up and shave that thing right off. And a mustacheless Burt Reynolds is not as effective, popular, or well-liked as a mustachioed Burt Reynolds. I That's an interesting reflection. I might agree with that because when I watched this, I was like, why does Burt Reynolds look so different? And it took mm-hmm. me a few minutes to be like, oh, he doesn't have his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. I'm telling you, people love me. I can see what he was going for. Like, he wanted the drama. He wanted this role to kind of... Pro- it, it, it feels like it's Emmy bait. It just... It kind of doesn't make it past first base. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd even go further than that. This is like a foul ball. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> no, and that's not... It is... It, again, you won't you you're not going to regret spending 90 minutes watching mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds and Reba McIntyre because yeah. they're charming personalities. And yeah. I mean, you know, it'll get you through. But the movie itself is a little bit meandering. He was transferring from like not the box office success. He was not the movie guy anymore. He's now the TV guy, you know, having a hit sitcom. I think Evening Shade maybe came after this. Well, let me quickly just correct you because actually Bert did this simultaneous to Evening Shade. Oh, so Evening Shade was 1990. I didn't think it started that early either, but it wow, started in I, 1990 I, wow. and went through, I think, 94 or 95. So this huh. happened again at the same time as, huh. as him being on TV. Well, there you go with my Burt Reynolds facts. I'm totally his number one fan. (laughs) I'm telling you, like, you know so much about Burt Reynolds. And yet so little. (laughs) (laughs) Evening Shade was a sitcom on CBS that, you know, was never again, it was never in the top like five, but it was a, Mm -hmm. a solid, steady performer. And so this movie was also aired on CBS. And again, I think it's one of those examples where you have a star on your network Mm -hmm. and you're able to kind of like give them a vehicle to run with. So this aired on Friday night uh, in 1993 and it actually didn't do too bad. I know we've been talking about like how these TV movies fared in the ratings. It was the second most watched TV show for its time slot. This was up against Step by Step, Hanging mm-hmm. with Mr. Cooper, and then that just the uh, you know that sexual tension that existed between Barbara Walters and Hugh Downs. Ooh, oh my God! You could cut it no. with a knife. <laughs> it was that line between twenty and twenty. That was the, <laughs> that was the sexual ooh. tension between the two of them. Mike, who do you think? the man from left field is really meant to appeal to two audiences. So people who loved either Burt Reynolds or Reba and would watch them in anything or listen to them in anything. So that's like one pocket. So me. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly you've proven <laughs> time and again that you are Burt Reynolds. Is number, one. <laughs> number one. fan. <laughs> um, and then the second one I would say is mm, parents and children who come from uh good christian homes <laughs> and what i mean by that is people who are not looking for dicey or yeah. spicy or scary like content who don't want their kids watching married with children but like wanted something that was relatively wholesome the moms at church would describe it as it's like the bad news bears but not crass 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's heartwarming. Wonderful Reba McIntyre's in it too. <laughs> yeah, we're here to answer all season. Why has the man from left field not been released on Criterion Collection Blu-ray? <laughs> I think we've made the case for this one, but we have many more to go through. <laughs> So we move from out of left field to the challenge of a lifetime. Tell us the plot. Oh, well, for every middle-aged person out there who smokes a pack of cigarettes but secretly dreams of running a triathlon, <laughs> this movie is for you. She's bouncing back. Big deal. And getting in control. This is nuts. In Challenge of a Lifetime. Think you could race again? Oh, sure, like that. After 15, no, 16 years of sitting around on my bun. Penny Marshall is going all the way in Challenge of a Lifetime. I watched it again on Tubi, which it said, movies you might also like. Would you like to hear them? Ooh, yes. I'm curious what 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 the algorithm says yeah, here. Yeah, the algorithm says, uh, and I love all of these titles. They were Redemption Ride, 90 <laughs> Sunsets. Extra innings, pitching hope. I guess they just all have to be two words. Well, this one breaks the mold. Coach of the year and my favorite, one mile to you. <laughs> I don't I mean, know what I... <laughs> any of those movies are. I'm not endorsing them. They were just recommended. <laughs> I mean, all of them have better titles than Challenge, Challenge of a Lifetime. Lifetime. <laughs> sounds like a game show that Alex Trebek it was does. hosting. It does. It really sounds like one of those like Wink Martindale's about to come out. <laughs> The plot is that it's really mm -hmm. like middle-aged woman who used to be like a runner in high school finds like someone she went to high school with who's still running and doing well in the world and is like damn it i could do that and decides yeah. to train for it with the help of her sort of bratty teenage son but who is very charming in this you get the sense that like completing an iron man triathlon you know makes you a better human being mm -hmm. um but but even aside from that it still manages to sort of be a little charming yeah um I got a little misty, but that's the theme of like seeing somebody rise above the challenges of their life. People had boring lives back then and they loved watching other boring lives. <laughs> exactly. I think this movie speaks to people who, yeah, like your life gets busy and you forget, oh, I used to be good at this or, oh, mm. I, I wanted to do something like this with my life. And it gives you like a little bit of a glimmer of hope that you can, you know, if you set your mind to it, you can do it. You have to suspend your disbelief because Penny Marshall's character literally smokes a pack of Winston's a day. <laughs> Basically, yeah. As an actor, I honestly only know Penny Marshall from two things, Laverne and Shirley mm -hmm. and 1990s Kmart ads. Kmart, who know? I know. <laughs> yeah. And it was really charming watching mm -hmm. her lead an entire TV movie. It also was kind of the tail end of her acting career. Mm -hmm. I mean, she does go on and she'll have cameos and a bunch of stuff. And 
occasionally will play a role on a TV show here and there or a movie. But from the most part, she stops aggressively acting mm-hmm. in the 80s and moves to direct big movies. Mm-hmm. So literal mm-hmm. big movies, because right. big is one of the movies. She <laughs> the movies she directed are are classic. So thankfully, she found success behind the camera. But I think watching this, she was definitely an underestimated actor. She brought like warmth to the character. She brought nuance. There was a lot of comedy in there. That is definitely her lane. The way the triathlon works is it's swimming, it's biking, and it's running. And running is the last part of it. And it's it's, it's really hard on your body. And, and the movie does a decent job of explaining why, because your legs mm-hmm. basically get trained to do a certain motion as you're swimming, as you're biking. And then to have to run really puts a lot of pressure on your body. And so the actual best scene of this movie is really the final four minutes where (laughs) Penny Marshall's character is trying to run to the finish line and hundred yards left to go with a hundred yards left. And it gets so dramatic as to whether she's going to be able to get her body up and crawl or stumble her way across this finish line. And it reminded me of like me trying to get to the couch after a shot of fireball. (laughs) Penny Marshall crossing the finish line is me finding the motivation to get a corn dog immediately after getting off the teacup ride. (laughs) Not many people watched this movie when it came out. Oh, what a shame. Well, it's because it was up against the Cosby show Family Ties, Cheers, Night Court, which is (laughs) the start of NBC's blockbuster Thursday night comedy and also up against Magnum P.I. and Simon and Mm. Simon, which were blockbusters. And so it really had like the weakest share of anything on television. Oh, Oh, and it forced Penny Marshall to quit acting, I guess. Well, I mean, (laughs) silver lining is she probably got in great shape for her Battle of the Network Stars appearances. (laughs) (laughs) The New York Times basically summed it up with five words. Terrible title. Modest, but good. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to our third and final TV movie. Uh, A nice piece of uh, Americana sports ball from 1977. (laughs) Well, Murder at the World Series is perpetrated by none other than... Scarecrow and Mrs. King's Scarecrow himself. (laughs) It's Bruce Boxleitner. Mike, what did you think of Murder at the World Series? Oh, it's more like meandering at the World Series. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone loves a third act that's disappointing. (laughs) 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 But I will say there is the the premise is interesting, right? You Mm -hmm. have a disgruntled baseball player who wants to seek revenge on the team that didn't mm-hmm. you know see worth in him and kidnap the the wife of one of the players he kidnaps the wrong person <laughs> uh, but then tragically he blows the woman up the, <laughs> the wrong woman up i did not see that coming I, I to be fair i did not see that coming there are various subplots that make no sense. I think just to kind of pad out 
it into a movie versus a TV show. 30 minutes into this, they start adding characters left and right. And it's hard to know what's going on. It doesn't have the thrill that it should yeah. have. These meandering subplots, like they could have made them interesting because like, who do we got on deck? We got uh, Janet Lee, Karen yes. Valentine. I mean, yes. I just can't believe they didn't make this as exciting or as interesting. One of the funniest things about this is before the movie even starts, the network added a disclaimer. The disclaimer was the motion picture you were about to see is a work of fiction. It does not reflect the opinions, attitudes, or policies of the Houston Astros, to whom we are deeply grateful. <laughs> I wonder if the Houston Astros knew going into it mm. where it's like, like, oh, a, a, a psychopath is going to kidnap one of our players' wives <laughs> and hold her for <laughs> ransom and blow up the wrong woman. <laughs> and like, maybe we don't want our brand attached to that. So. <laughs> I do think Bruce Boxleitner looks like a, the like a 1970s porn star in this. I mean, he's 27 years old when this movie was made. He's, he really looks like a kid, which is funny because when I watch Scarecrow and Mrs. King, he looks like a 75 year old. No, <laughs> oh come he, on. I think he's like he. he there's something about like there's something about 35, 40 year olds in the in the 1980s. Like when you watch them now, they look they look like they're in their 50s or 60s. I think Bruce looks. On the young side here. Again, by the time he does Scarecrow, he 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 looks again. He doesn't. I think his first season of Scarecrow, he he definitely looks young. By the fourth season, he looks like a decade older. He's probably working with Kate Jackson was very stressful. (laughs) I want an answer now. Okay. Would it help if I say I'm sorry? No. he did pull it off of like, he's young and inept, kidnaps the wrong person. Like that kind of immature young guy that has an ax to grind and he's kind of messing it up. So like he, he they cast him well for where he was in his life and his career, I think. His trajectory of popularity up until 82 was Tron, right? So, and people probably on this podcast know him from Babylon 5. He's been in a lot of those types of shows. And many Um, TV movies later with like love stories, the Daniel Steele type, like romance TV movies later in his career. No, but like, you're not kidding. Oh, he's in The Gambler too, right? Yes, but he's in like... I, I'm, I don't know like, that I've seen an actor in more TV movies than Bruce <laughs> Like from 1974 to 2020, I, this is like a conservative estimate. 35 TV movies. Like, <laughs> think, yeah. Like I think he is like, you're talking dozens of TV movies, which is really wild that he's been in that many. So this is the oldest TV movie that we're reviewing today mm-hmm. or talking about today it aired on march 20th 1977 mm-hmm. so this is this movie's almost you know it's 45 years old now um baseball back in the 1970s was the most popular sport mm-hmm. um whereas you know somewhere in the 80s or 90s football emerges and takes over football basketball baseball i think pickleball um, <laughs> competitive pinochle uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's like so baseball had this, I think, like lure in pop culture sure. and sort of American society. So I also think there's an element. It's America's of, game. Yes. I think <laughs> there's there's an element of that that also gets people to draw, you know, to come in here and, and sort of see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. also, did you know that God was a huge baseball fan? Uh, George Burns? 
No, no. <laughs> I would imagine he's been around since it was invented. <laughs> no, actual God. I mean, come on. That's why the Bible starts with in the big inning. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> God for Tubi, they're doing the Lord's work because sometimes, you know, the barrier to entry of watching these TV movies, they're just only maybe possibly on YouTube in a very low quality upload. And thank God they're there because there's really nowhere else to see them. We're seeing more and more like Tubi, Amazon Prime, places that they'll show up, but there's no guarantee that anybody wants to save these movies. That's why I'm so happy we're doing this season because most TV movies are not critical darlings mm -hmm. and they're not going to leave you like, you know, stuck in awe after you watch them or you're just speechless and remember them forever. But so many stars come and go through them and you just get this weird, like amalgamation of like content to just strew through. And so I agree. I love that Tubi has found a way to put a lot of these on there or that people who have bootleg VHS tapes from like 1987 mm -hmm. or 1993 figure out a way to upload these things to YouTube and they haven't been taken down. It's actually kind of joyful. Well, we've rounded the bases and good thing because I just found a catatonic Burt Reynolds in my kitchen. <laughs> He's dead though. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> oh, finally. 30 minutes of episode. You finally have a Burt Reynolds fact, you know. <laughs> Fun fact, Burt Reynolds is dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor Burt Reynolds. Well, join us again in two weeks when we'll have a fresh batch of TV movies to talk about. In the meantime, if you're interested in more pop topics, head over to poptrashmuseum.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks for listening. And now, just like Penny Marshall, I am going to crawl 100 yards to the biggest bowl of spaghetti I can find. <laughs> so may all your lifetimes be challenged. Ooh, and your Burt Reynolds be mustachioed. <laughs>